0: This is Chris Brooks. Thank you for listening to this edition of Equip. Be sure and subscribe for free so that you don't miss an episode. For more information, visit our website, equipradio.org. Please enjoy the following pre-recorded Encore presentation of Equipped with Chris Brooks. Well, hey there, friends. Welcome to another exciting edition of Equipped with Chris Brooks. I am absolutely thrilled that you've joined us today. Can you do me a favor? Strap on your seatbelt. We're going to navigate through the contours of culture, as always, with the lens of the biblical worldview on. But before we do that, let me remind you, this is the day that the Lord has made. He has given it as a gift so that you and I can rejoice and be glad in it. So let's do just that. Let's follow the words of the Apostle Paul. Let's rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And with that, I welcome you into a Monday edition of Equip. We're going to be live today, interactive, and I hope that you'll join the conversation at 877-LIVE-675. That's 877-548-3675. Well, when I say the word love, what comes to your mind? There are so many love songs. There are so many poems written about love. There's so much to be said about the concept of all of our need for love, what does it reflect it reflects the fact that we are wired for something more something more than what this world has to offer and today we're going to talk about why we as a generation uh, are so love starved so many sociologists will say that that starvation of love shows up in many different ways from social media to technology to the sins that we are so plagued by in our generation But uh, today, I get a chance to feature a book that I'm really excited about. Jerry Wilson has written a new book called Love Me Anyway, and it talks about how God's perfect love fills our deepest longing. If today your soul is so desperately desiring love, I know mine is, and probably true for all of us, most certainly this is what the Bible would speak to. Today, I want you to know that there's hope for our souls and a longing for love in Christ. Who is Jarrett Wilson? Well, he's a busy man. He's an assistant professor of pastoral ministry at Spurgeon College. He's author and resident at Midwestern Seminary. He's also the director of pastoral training center at Liberty Baptist Church in Kansas City, Missouri. He is also the loving husband of Becky and the father of two beautiful daughters, and he joins me today. Jared, how are you, brother? I'm doing great. It's wonderful to be with you again, Chris. Thanks so much. It is great to have you on as well. Listen, I told you that I was going to ask this question, so you're not shocked by it. Why are there (laughs) so many love songs, man?
1: Well, I'd love to hear your answer. Why do you think there's so many love songs?
0: <laughs> I don't know, but I do know this. I got a teenage daughter, and stuff that didn't yeah. bother me before, it bothers me deeply now. And I do think <laughs> there are way too many love songs. So okay. what, is that, what does that show you? What does that reveal about us?
1: Yeah, you know, the because of that, uh, you probably noticed I patterned my book uh, according to Love Songs, so every chapter – so if if you're sick of love songs, please don't read the chapter titles <laughs> of my book or, or or the subheadings because every title and a subhead is a love is the name of a love song. Or title, well, I think you've song.
0: redeemed it. I think that's what you're doing. Okay, I think you've redeemed it.
1: Yeah, well, there's a, so there's a reason for it beyond just that, you know, beyond just that it's about love. Um, it's because so this is my answer to the question. I, I think. Um, Bruce Marshall, in one of his novels, wrote that the young man knocking on the door of the brothel is subconsciously looking for God. And we might say, gosh, the young man who's doing that is looking for love in all the wrong places, right, to use another love song title. He's, he's, he's searching for something that, you know, um, in a sinful way that that can't satisfy him. I think all the love songs that we've had throughout history— uh, on on one part, are about our search for um, someone to accept us and approve of us, to know the mess that we are, to know the center that we are, and to still embrace us, to still love us. But it's also, like, love songs are just in our DNA. The very first recorded words that we have in history from a human being is Adam. In Genesis chapter 2, seeing Eve for the first time. And you'll notice in most Bible translations, what he says is formatted as Hebrew poetry. It's a love song. He says, at last, mm. bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. You can almost hear Etta James kind of over the soundtrack, like, that's at That's last. right, so- that's
0: right. <laughs> <laughs> so the
1: first recorded human words were a love song, and we've been singing love songs ever since.
0: Yeah, I appreciate it. And I'm giving you a hard time, but I will say this, Uh, whether uh, there are deads of teenagers out there that can resonate with my thoughts here or lovers of scripture, what we do know to be true is that all of us are longing to be loved, to experience deep love, a love that in some ways goes beyond what we deserve. We all are longing for that. But yet, uh, am I right in saying that this generation is properly uh, defined as love starved?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know that it's any different than any other generation, but certainly we have new ways of expressing that and new innovations, social media and Internet connection, which I think gives us the illusion of love or connection, at least relationality in ways that previous generations did not have. So we have more avenues uh, by which to try to get this love or experience what we think might be love or a feeling that that might approximate love. So certainly maybe that exacerbates that that appetite, the desire that we have inside of us.
0: Yeah, you say this, what if, uh, and I'm going to just abbreviate a little bit here, you say, what if every romantic movie, every romantic song, every Uh, uh, Hallmark Christmas show, (laughs) every Hallmark (laughs) Valentine's uh, Day card. You think about all of those is simply leveraging romance and human fulfillment. And uh, and I think that so many of these do point to something deeper within us. But I think that what all of us fear is that somehow uh, because of our flaws and our fallenness, our failings, Uh, because of everything that we know to be weakness within us, that we won't be loved. And into that uh, vacuum of love steps the words of 1 Corinthians 13. Talk about uh, what 1 Corinthians 13 speaks to you.
1: Well, what's really radical about that passage is that um, we use it in so many different ways framed in... Kind of romantic love so just as an example right it's first corinthians 13 is to weddings what amazing grace is to funerals right it's, yes if, yes if, if there's you know any wedding even involving unbelievers if they want any kind of whiff of religion um in it some semblance of religion or tradition in it and there's going to be a bible reading it's going to be first corinthians 13 it, it, it may be the most famous passage of scripture that people know is uh, you know passage of scripture, perhaps you know um, you know next to isolated you know sayings from the Sermon on the Mount or something like that, and what's really fascinating about it is we read that chapter and frame it as a kind of romantic, sentimental um vision of love when really what Paul is calling us to in the chapter is so. Self-denying and self, self, you know, self-crucifying. He 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 says love isn't self-seeking. He says that love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. These are things that we don't often equate with love because we think of love as, as you know, ideally as a self-fulfillment about getting some sort of <clears throat> adoration or affection.
0: You know, Jared, when I when I think about what you have written in these pages. Uh, I think about how the church would do well to develop a theology of love, because love is the penultimate question, I think, of every generation. It is the question and the longing of the human heart from uh, creation to consummation. It is ultimately the love feast that we're looking forward to, that we're longing for. But for those who maybe have not picked up the book yet, what is your hope? Why did you write the book? What are you hoping for? And who did you write it for?
1: Yeah. So the book covers a variety of kinds of love. I talk about not just romantic love. That's an obvious angle to take, of sure. course, but, but also friendship and uh, just our own experience, um, you know, spiritually with God and our experiences in the church and things like that as well. I wrote it for anyone who has ever you know, laid awake at night, staring at the ceiling, <laughs> whether there's a spouse next to him or not, and wondered, could I actually be loved? Could could God really love me? Mm-hmm. Will I ever know love? Will I ever feel love? Anyone who's ever wrestled with that idea or just longed to be totally known and at the same time totally loved, because that's really what we want. That's why I called the book Love Me Anyway. We, we all want to be loved, but really what we want is to be loved Anyway, that somebody could see the mess of us and not look away. That's who I wrote the book for
0: Yeah, and this is a reflection that we live in a broken and fallen world And today we're going to talk about that. Maybe you know what it is to be rejected in love Maybe you are living today with a heart that is broken not just because of a longing For a spouse, but maybe it's just the child that you have that for some reason Uh, There seems to be a breach of relationship. Maybe it's the lack of love that you have not experienced within the body of Christ, the church. We're going to talk about that as well. Uh, Today, uh, I believe God wants to heal hearts that are deeply longing for love and uh, maybe have, have not experienced it. There is a love that overlooks our flaws, a love that is... Uh, filled with the grace in spite of our failings that is able to love us anyway. And that's what Jared has written about. Jared C. Wilson. The book is entitled Love Me Anyway, How God's Perfect Love Fills Our Deepest Longings. I'd love to uh, take your calls at 877-LIVE-675. That's 877-548-3675. When we come back, we're going to ask the question, and you knew we were going to do this, What's love got to do with it? That's right. We're going to ask that question. And I believe that Jared's going to help us to ground our answer in the beautiful words of the gospel. Don't go anywhere. Much more to come. Next up on Equip with Chris Brooks. At Equipped, is our goal to strengthen your faith, and we're always excited as we hear stories of people coming to faith as a result of our program. But we couldn't possibly accomplish this mission alone. That's why we're looking for equippers and people just like you who will give a monthly gift to help us keep this program on the air. Would you consider partnering with us? Become an equipper today and receive special insider benefits, such as a bi weekly email that contains pastoral messages prepared just for you. Call 888 888- 644 4144 or go online to equipradio.org. Phone number is 877 Live 675. That's 877 548 3675. I would love for you to give us a call. Join us today. We're talking about love with Jared Wilson. He's written a new book entitled Love Me Anyway can Find out more at our website, equipradio.org. That's equipradio.org. I'll take your calls in just a minute. But, Jared, I, you know, was reading your book and uh, thinking about Jeremiah chapter six. In Jeremiah chapter six, God uh, criticizes Israel, brings a charge against Israel that they forgot how to blush. As a people, they forgot collectively how to blush. You say this in your book that we don't speak of love. In lovely ways anymore that um, our way of speaking about love has become uh, more crude more rude and less poetic it's a lament that's in your book but yet you connect this lament to something that might ultimately be redemptive I love what you say here after expressing your lament about how we don't speak of love in lovely ways you say this we may have grown coarser but it's only because we have gotten collectively tired of holding up the pretense that we are good people. Maybe that that might help us to get to a place of revival, um, but I I, I do want to bring up this thought. I do want to expound upon this thought a little bit more uh, because I think this is really, really important. You know, as, as a person who is hypercritical, I am very critical. Of the way we speak of love in this hour, I am very critical of the way that we uh, uh, write songs about love or poems about love, and all of it seems to be so based, uh, so uh, you know un uh, unholy, uh, so uh, much lacking in beauty, and yet to me the maybe the the silver lining that Jared brings out of this is that it is removed the pretense and in this generation maybe that is a victory in and of itself, that the pretense is gone that um, and that the truth is revealed. Jared is back. I think that his line is back with us. Jared, are you there?
1: I'm here. I'm so sorry, brother. It's mm-hmm. You know what I don't love is technology.
0: <laughs> well, here's what <laughs> I just brought up and I want you to respond to this. You express a lament in the book about uh, us not speaking of love in lovely ways. Uh, you 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 uh, right. express your concern over how crude and rude we've gotten. But yet, again, what I found to be redemptive is in your book you say, we may have grown co- coarser, but it's only because we've gotten collectively tired of holding up the pretense that we are good people. Ultimately, that could lead to revival, couldn't it? It could, yes,
1: because... The, the foundation of the gospel uh, means that there is bad news and the good news will only sound as good as the bad news is bad. And obviously, you know, Jesus came, he said, for those who are sick, right? It's not the well who need a physician. And so if we're able to admit the the wretchedness inside of us, if we're able to admit that actually all of our efforts at trying to get love, find love, create love outside of him, are futile, that that they fail us and actually make the the hunger more pronounced, actually make us more miserable. I think that's what a lot of people discover is all their searching for love ends up being kind of, uh, you know, like in Ecclesiastes, a chasing of the wind, and actually only makes the problem worse. If we can get to the point of that admission, then we're actually ripe for grace and for the wonderful, uh, transformative nature of God's love.
0: Yeah, talk a little bit more about how Genesis 3 has impacted love.
1: Right. Well, so Genesis 3 shows us kind of the DNA of, of sin, right? You have the, you know, the fall of mankind there with Adam and Eve taking of that forbidden fruit. And what's interesting in the appeal of that fruit is, is um, that it looked good to the eyes. It promised to make one wise, and it promised to satisfy, right, to, fill, you know, to be good for food. And all of those things, those three things, are really uh, bound up in our searching for kinds of love. We, you know, talk about love in ways that sound sort of enlightening. That to find love is to finally be fulfilled and to reach the next level and become a better person and that sort of thing. We certainly look for love in the sense of satisfaction, whether it's in you know um, you know sex or just romance in general. We think that it will finally satisfy the craving. Of our hearts, and then of course, you know, in in crude ways and in poetic ways, we see love as beautiful. It's a delight to the eyes. So we comment on the beauty or the handsomeness of others, or, or even just um, you know things that look beautiful. We we, we describe them in, in language that is lovely. So, you know, all of these things are kind of wrapped up in the the ways that we search for love that fall short. Of God's glory, which is what sin is. It's a falling short of God's
0: glory. I want to take the phone. uh, I want to take phone calls today at 877 Live 675. That's 877 548 3675. We'll go to Linda in Chicago. Hey, Linda, thank you so much for calling and thanks for listening. What's What's your question? How can we pray for you today?
1: Okay. I have a friend who used to be my close friend, and she's no longer my close friend because she betrayed me. I continue to show love to her because I know that she has experienced a lot of hurt in her life, and I'm just wondering at one po- what point should I just leave it in God's hands? You know I keep encouraging her and trying to get her you know be involved in in some spiritual activities, and she you know she rejects it, so at what point should I just let yeah. God
0: handle yeah. it? Well, first off, Linda, thanks for giving us a call. And I'm going to let Jared answer this question. I'll I'll just simply say, Jared, I think it's when we do what Linda's doing, and that is loving someone who has hurt us or betrayed us, that we are really reflecting the gospel. We are reflecting the love of God. And I just want to commend Linda today for doing that. It's not easy. It's hard. But this is exactly what Christ has done for us, and so uh Jared, what's your response to Linda?
1: Yeah, well, I, first of all, I, I deeply sympathize with this because it's such a common experience. We all have people in our lives that we have felt, gosh, it's just a one way street. I've been pouring out love even sacrificially, and it's not being reciprocated. This is something I talk about in in the book as well, and what I argue is that that's actually the closest we come to a kind of God glorifying love because God loves us with, with, in a sense, without hope that we can return the favor perfectly. We certainly can't. And in the gospel, he unilaterally loves us. Um, You know, first Corinthians 13 says love never ends and love never fails. And so my encouragement would be that it's not a waste, even if it's never returned, you know, you can keep loving someone who won't return the favor And they may never return the favor, but loving them um, nevertheless is not a waste because God sees it, and God is storing it up, and he will vindicate you and reward you. Um, And in in that way, loving someone who doesn't love you back is really how you know you actually love them
0: Mm. um, because it reflects the love of God. Yeah, that's a profound uh, explanation, and I'm really, again, with Jared— Uh, sympathetic to what you're going through, but yet seeing such a gospel opportunity here. Father, thank you for Linda. I I do pray, Lord, that you would grant her peace in her heart, just reaffirm for her your guiding and leadership, even in uh, this relationship, Lord. I I do pray that through Linda's display of the love of Christ to a friend, that it would bring her friend to repentance, to turning to you and and that uh, even her friend would be healed through your perfect love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. You know, quickly, before we go to break, Linda's question causes me to think of something else you say in your book. You say real love, as God intends it, is meant both as a gift to be enjoyed and as a glory to be reflected on his son. What do you mean by that?
1: Well, just exactly that, that it, it's a picture of the gospel. You know, Christ died for us, the Bible says in Romans chapter 5, while we were still sinners. He didn't wait around for us to love him before he loved us. He didn't wait around for us to be good spiritual religious people before he died for us. He died at the right time for the ungodly, it says. So when we love somebody um, without hope or promise of that love being returned— what we're doing is reflecting the glory of God, the the same glory that comes in the good news that that saved us while we were still sinners.
0: Yeah. And, you know, when I think about that and I think about uh, the opportunities that God has given me to love other sinners like me, it it strikes me that so often uh, I despise the same love that I long for. Um, And I think that for all of us, and I mean, certainly that seems to be the, the human story reflected in uh, books of the Bible like Jonah uh, and other places where the very love, the very redemption that all of us long for, uh, that Christ extends to us, uh, we often despise. But praise God that he is merciful and that he is gracious to us. Uh, Jared, before we go to break, I'm going to give the number again so that folks who desire to call can do so. Uh, we're going to mix in content from the book with your calls at 877-LIVE-675. That's 877-548-3675. Um, quick question, and I, and, I, and I would love for you just to maybe start this, and, and, and we'll pick it up after the break. In what way, Jared, did you maybe get surprised as you were writing the book? <laughs>
1: Um, I think I got surprised when I started telling some personal stories about my own, uh, you know, spotty love life. And it surprised me of really, I'm actually dumber than I thought I was. (laughs) 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 That may be the biggest, (laughs) that may have been the biggest surprise.
0: (laughs) Well, if we're all searching for love, Jared, it makes sense to me that we need a definition. We need a definition of love. And so when we come back from, uh, this next break, I want you to give your definition of love as uh, as you do in the book. So many people assume that 1 Corinthians 13 was given to us by Paul through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to give us a definition of love, but it really isn't. It's more of a descriptor. Uh, but yet you uh, you take an attempt to define love so we can know what we're searching for. We're going to define that and unpack it on the other side of this break. Maybe your heart is longing the love of a child. Maybe it's the love of a spouse. Maybe it's the love of the fri- of a friend. Maybe it's, it's the love of the body of believers. And that's not present. There's something that feels lacking in our lives. Or maybe it's the higher love, the love that overlooks our sins and forgives us and grants us grace. We're going to talk about that next up on Equip with Chris Brooks. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. A little boy was over her brain. Lord, if you can't make me a better boy, don't worry about it. I'm having a real good time just like I am. I bet you've got neighbors just like that little boy, having a real good time just like they are. They don't appear to have any need for Jesus, but Jesus didn't come to make sinners a little better. He came to redeem hopelessly lost people by giving them new hearts and new hopes, a new relationship with God through Jesus Christ. On our program Equip, evangelism is at the heart of all we do. As you call or click with your gift, you're helping us advance the gospel one conversation at a time. You can help us share the simple gospel with many more as you give now. Call 888-644-4144 or visit EquippedRadio.org. You're listening to a pre recorded encore presentation of Equipped with Chris Brooks. Welcome back to Equipped with Chris Brooks. Today we're talking to Jesse Wilson about his wonderful book, Love Me Anyway, How God's Perfect love fills our deepest longing. Also, I want to encourage you to support the program if you have not already done so. Your partnership, generosity, and God's grace is why we are here today, equipping Christians to more effectively live, share, and defend their faith. If you have been blessed by our guests and resources, please call and partner with us today at 888-644-4144. That's 888-644-4144. Jared Wilson is my guest today. Jared, I love the sections of the book where you share vulnerably about your journey in love. (laughs) And one of the uh, stories you tell is about being in youth group. Can I just read a section of this? Because I think it's fabulous. We've all been here. You say, I remember I had a crush on a girl in our church youth group for a while. And my impression was that even in a relatively small class, she had no idea I existed. You go on to say the crush became crushing one evening at a youth fellowship event. I remember we were playing volleyball, and a new guy had shown up, some kid who had just moved to town. He wore a cool T-shirt and impeccably rolled jeans. His hair, I'm sorry for laughing, was was slick, with moose. What a jerk, you say. What I remember was that this girl did not hide at all that she was immediately interested in him i could keep reading brother we've all been there before
1: (laughs) well i've been there multiple times (laughs) this is why i wrote about it there's
0: always one guy who knows how to roll his jeans better than anyone else
1: But, you know, it was like my, the jeans that my, my mom would buy me, man, they were always too short anyway. So then when I would roll them, it looked like I was going waiting or
0: something. Oh, there we go. There we go. Now I wish this was a picture book. Can you please do a revised version with photos? Throughout. with
1: illustration
0: <laughs> but we've all had our hearts broken and that's the point right we've all had our hearts broken in this whole journey with love what do you want to say to those who maybe have put up walls and barriers that even uh, keep them from opening their hearts to God
1: well I think what I would say is first of all God understands that right when, when you look at for instance Jesus and in the gospels and who he is drawn to, and who he is prioritizing. You could very well say it's people who have had their hearts broken over and over and over again, who are very protective. Think of um, the woman at the well, for instance, the Samaritan woman that Jesus meets, who has had numerous husbands and, in fact, is living with a man who's not her husband. In that time and culture, she's likely been exploited uh, by these men. Um, You know, we wouldn't necessarily say this is, you know, her you know, trying to throw herself into sinful romance. Um, But just because of the time and culture to be a a single woman is to be very vulnerable, but she perhaps feels used and, and ashamed. There are people who look down on her, who whisper about her, who gossip about her. And so she's got walls up and you can see that in the conversation that she has with Jesus. And yet he goes right to her heart to speak to her, her deepest need and, and, and to offer her living water. Um, I think we see it with the woman with the bleeding issue who reaches out to grab hold of Jesus's, uh, you know, the hem of his garment as he's walking through the crowd. She is someone who, um, you know, is untouchable, you know, according to the people around her. And so that has to be the deepest hurt, the deepest wound, apart from her physical illness. Right. So she's suffering physically. And then on top of that, there are people who regard her basically like human garbage. And the reason she reaches out to grab hold of Jesus um, in secret, really, is because she knows that Jesus can heal her, but the way she's been treated by so many people forever, she probably doubts that he would. If she went to him directly and said, I would like to be healed, I would like to know your love and be and be healed by it, mm. she thinks he probably would reject her, and yet he, he turns— to speak to her. He calls her daughter. I think that's what I would say to anyone who has just felt like, you know what, I, um, I've i been beat up too many times. I've, I've gone through the ringer too many times. Um, I don't know that I can open myself up to God, especially because he's God. He's perfectly holy. Yeah. You know, he He is glorious. Why would someone like me be of interest to someone like him all we have to do is look into the ministry of God in the flesh and see that he prioritized, um, you know, directed his ministry towards those very people.
0: You know, on the flip side of the coin, we have to acknowledge the scripture tells us we have a real adversary whose uh, desire it is to be able to rob God of his glory and to keep us blinded, blinded to the love of God. And in the joy that we have, those of us who have experienced this redemptive love, who have trusted in Christ for salvation, is that we get to be his witnesses. We get to tell the world that there is a love that can heal the longings of your heart. There is a love that uh, can be trusted. There is a love that knows you deeply and yet uh, loves you fully and completely. That is a wonderful, wonderful task that we have been given to be witnesses and ambassadors of, uh, of the love of God expressed through the cross of Christ and the finished work of Jesus. Let's go to the phone lines. Wheaton in Wheaton, Illinois, Tracy is listening. Tracy, thank you so much for listening to Equip. How can we pray for you today?
1: Oh, boy, can you ever um... Thanks for taking my call. I'm 58 years old. I've been divorced for 15 years and have gone out on two dates. Mm. I miss having a man in my life desperately. Mm. Sometimes I get very lonely. Yeah. So then I'll go to Match.com, and, and I go on there, and it's like, Ugh, what am I doing here? And it, it's like I don't want to die alone. And I know God has love for me. But as a woman, I want a yeah. partner, you know, spend yes. the rest of my life with. And uh, I, yeah. I don't go to bars. I'm very involved in my church. I love my church family. But I'm also lonely. What do yeah. I do?
0: Well, first off, I want to thank you for your honesty. My heart uh, breaks in many ways, both for the divorce and for the um, the aftermath of that. It's just a reminder of how, painful divorce is and the wake that it leaves and the lives that it impacts and it affects. Um, I, for one, Jared, think that what Tracy is experiencing, longing for a spouse, is a God-given desire and um, and certainly one that we uh, need to uh, pray with her for. And I'm grateful, Tracy, that you haven't decided to go the route of lowering the bar or chasing after love in, in all the wrong places. Jared, what would you say to our sister?
1: I I would echo, Chris, what, what you just shared. First of all, that there's nothing to be ashamed of in the desire for, a you know, companionship like that, or even for marriage uh, like that. God put that in us, uh, the need for relationality. It's not good for us to be alone, and so as long as it is a, a relationship and a pursuit of it that is honoring to Him and not sinful, um, it's 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 a good and godly thing to pray for a godly spouse. Um, to be you know looking in the right ways for a godly spouse, that's a good thing. But I think what I would say is there are, there are also means of relationships that can bring um, you know great healing to us and support for us. For instance, the way that Christ has established his church is is meant to provide the family that only the gospel can make and meet needs that we have that many times we don't even anticipate. So I would not overlook, um, you know, the blessing of the church in in satisfying the need for relationship. And then, of course, to say it's not just a spiritual religious answer. Um, God is all that we need. If, if the Lord never supplies a, a spouse for us or never supplies this desire that we have, um, if he says no to our prayers um, in a, in a way he's asking us to, to truly trust that he is enough, that if I have Jesus, Jesus is everything. And everything else that I may get beside Jesus would just be, Um, you know, gravy (laughs) um, on on top of the reality of knowing the one who knows me and truly loves me more than anyone ever could. And so I think pressing into one's relationship with Christ can yield blessings and satisfaction that um, many times we don't anticipate.
0: I'm going to pray for you, Tracy. Um, Again, we stand with you and in uh, our hope, in our hope that you would be able to, on the one hand, just see with profound clarity how blessed you are to have this love of Christ in the church, but also um, the recognition that longing for um, companionship on a human level is, um, is a gift and a, a natural desire from God. And we'll, we'll pray that God will... Uh, again, just satisfy the longing of your heart with his love. Father, I do pray <clears throat> even now for our sister. I pray that, Lord, you would help her as she manages through the profound loneliness of this moment. But Lord, that you will fill her heart with a great, overwhelming, uh, deep sense of your love for her, that you would, uh, Lord, just encourage her. Uh, you know exactly where Tracy's at. May she be encouraged by friends, by the body of believers, but most of all, by your spirit and through your word. I pray for all of us towards this end, in Jesus' name. Amen. Tracy, stay on the line. We're going to get you a copy of uh, Jared's book, just as a way of saying thank you for listening to Equip. You know, Jared, as I listen to Tracy, I think about all of us, all of us, if we're not careful, we're, we're going to have something that we don't have in our lives that the enemy is going to make us think that if I only had that, I would be satisfied. For some, it's a spouse. There are other couples that I see that it's a child. Man, we're longing for a child. Uh, For others, it is maybe, uh, man, I want friendship or community that I'm not getting. Why is that both something we need to not be ashamed of and acknowledge, but something we also need to guard against?
1: Well, we don't need to be ashamed of it because he's made us for that. He's made us relational people. He's made us in his image and and god himself is a trinity he, he exists eternally in relationship father son and holy spirit from eternity past so to be made in his image is in part that's not all it means but in part it means that we are made to be in relationship with others so it's not a shame at all to desire marriage to desire friendship to desire having a church that is supportive and uh, gracious in its, you know, in its uh, relationship with each other, the thing we need to guard against is expecting anyone, you know, any person or, or even our church to be what only God can be. When we ascribe the weight of God to someone else, um, even as good as they can be, we end up actually in a way um, crushing them. We expect more from them than they can give. Only God can give us, uh, you know, what God is. And so when we search for the weight and the glory of God uh, in in anything, even good things outside of Him, we'll always find ourselves dissatisfied, and we can even actually end up harming uh, the people that we're um, expecting
0: that love from. We're going to take a short break, but when we come back, I think I'm probably right in saying that most of us don't love well. While we're all longing to be loved— We also need to talk about what does it mean to be a good lover of others? Jerry's going to help us with that as well. Folks, I want to encourage you, get this book, Love Me Anyway. It is written by Jerry C. Wilson. You can find out more by going to our website, equipradio.org. That's equipradio.org. Whatever you do, don't go anywhere. Much more to come next up on Equip with Chris Brooks. Christians have been taught that friendships are a luxury, but Rebecca McLaughlin has written a compelling case for why friendships are absolutely central to growing a Christian life. It's called No Greater Love. This book will challenge you to think seriously about the value of genuine friendship and teach you to enjoy the fellowship of friends just as God designed A copy can be yours today if you support Equip with a gift of any amount. Simply call 888-644-4144 or visit EquipRadio.org. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. You know, you may have recently heard me promoting our next program or even asking you to become a monthly partner folks that we call Equippers, but today I wanna invite you to join something infinitely more important. Would you consider joining the family of God? You know, it may be possible that you've been listening to us talk about the Bible and the Christian life, but you've never really met Jesus personally. He longs to welcome you into his family and have a close relationship with you. You can surrender your life to him, accept his forgiveness, and start your journey with Jesus right now. I'd love to help you to take that first step. All you have to do is simply call 888-NEED-HIM. That's 888-NEED-HIM. Jared Wilson is with me today. Jarrett, you said in your book, uh, Love Me Anyway, one of the surprises for you was just uh, the stories you told that revealed that you weren't that great at love, or at least at showing it at times. Um, and there's uh, truly that um, reality for all of us. I don't think any of us can say, man, we got a, a great resume when it comes to love. And when we look at the brokenness of our world, we recognize that we don't know how to love well. How do we address that, Jer- Jared?
1: Well, the, the Bible is actually the the best calibration for us, isn't it? First Corinthians 13, when I compare my own desire for love and efforts towards getting love, to the standard there, I see just how short I fall that, you know, um, at its, at its essence, my desire for love is a desire to feel a certain way, uh, to get a certain thing, to experience a certain thing. And first Corinthians 13 says, love isn't self-seeking. It's not irritable. It, it endures everything. It, it, it bears all things. So, you know, God's word is such a, um, stabilizing, um, power, but also a re reorientation (laughs) for me. It's, it's, it's how I know if the love I'm giving is actually love or not, or if it's just sort of self-interest that looks
0: like love. I think that each one of us has to have that calibration and, uh, and and this comes through many ways. And I want to close by asking maybe two questions. How does the family having uh, the family as a local unit help us in love? And what about the role of the local church?
1: Yeah, well, the, the family is, you know, God's designed for us to kind of experiment with this grace stuff. I like to, you know, think of the home as kind of a laboratory for grace. Um, one of the sort of recalibrating things the Bible teaches us is how people changed. That they don't actually change most effectively, at least at the at the level of the heart, through the law, but through grace, and that's really difficult because our default mode in getting people to change or to act right or to behave or whatever it is, or to love us back, um, is is usually some variation of leveraging of the law, right? Some sort of we tell them what to do, we have you know rewards or punishments. And those are all necessary things in, in you know pursuit of, of, of discipline and, and those sorts of things. But when you're looking at change at the heart level, that people don't just act right, but inside they become more like Christ, you see that it's actually showing them grace and giving nice. them the good news. And so in the level of the home, um, I think we can kind of learn what it means to love our children, to love our spouse to honor our parents, all those sorts of things in ways that make Jesus look big, not just that, quote unquote, keep the peace, you know, know, and the same is for the church as well.
0: Yeah. I I love what you just said. I I don't know how many people have ever looked at your family as a lab for grace, but I think that is a great (laughs) way of describing the family and the church. Jared, thank you so much for the gift that is this book, Love Me Anyway, I think It's profound, and it's certainly a book that an entire generation could benefit from. So I appreciate you. God bless you, brother. Prayers for you and for Becky and for the girls. Have a great day.
1: You too. Thanks so much, Chris.
0: Folks, I pray that this interview was an encouragement to your heart also pray that the ministry is an encouragement and blessing to you as well. If we have to, please go to uh, our website, learn more about partnering with us. You can also call the number 888-644-4144. And remember, pray for your pastor's wives today. They certainly need it. Until we're together again next time. As always, remember, Equipped with Chris Brooks is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. Hey, I wonder if you've been listening to our program for a long time but have never been in touch with us. We'd love to meet you and to thank you for your support. You know, your financial gifts, no matter the size, make a huge difference. Every Little Bit helps us equip men and women to live and love Jesus in today's rapidly changing culture. Here's the number if you want to financially support EQUIP, 888-644-4144 or go online to equipradio.org.